listening to Cinema Spin. All right, we're back on Cinema Spin. Back for another week of fine, fine film reviews. The best kinds of film reviews. Not always the best kinds of films, but. I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm Jason. Let's get that over the way. Uh, our first film is uh, De Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, and I'll have Jason tell you a little bit about it. Okay, so this movie uh, came out in uh, uh, this past summer, um, in, two, in 2020, um, and it is uh, the, the latest uh, movie from uh, for, from Spike Lee. Oh, before uh, we get into it, Jason, yeah. um, let's just mention that, that uh, during this period of slower, some that might be slower oh, right. in terms of what films are out, um, we are trying to get back at some of the films we had missed in, in 2000 in this weird year. Um, just because I just wanted to, because that is a concerted effort we're doing, and I just thought I'd mention it. Right, right, right. This is this is, and this is something we're going to part of that. We're, yeah, we're going to do in the future. Uh, we're, we're going to look back on 2020, a kind of lost year in a lot of a lot of ways for uh, for uh, movies. It was kind of chaotic. Lost? How so? Because <laughs> uh, right, really, of the the COVID nonsense. So um, we're going to go back uh, occasionally to look at movies that maybe we missed this year, and and I, we're going to do this as sort of an ongoing segment. And who knows? It might be two or three years from now that we're still sort of rediscovering movies that we, you know, <laughs> we quote unquote missed in 2020 so um the first we're gonna do so these, these are movies that are uh that are current from this year but not current to this week um so the first movie is spike lee's uh De Five bloods uh this movie came out in uh, in summer of 2020 um and it tells the story of uh of four characters well five characters really uh delroy lindo clark peters Norm Lewis and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. play four Vietnam vets um, who go back to Vietnam for a dual purpose. Uh, on the on the one hand, they are going to uh, re uh, to bring home the remains of their uh, their friend uh, Storm and Norman Hallowell, uh, played by Chadwick Boseman in flashbacks, um, and their secret motive is that they are going to uh, find some gold that they had buried. Uh, uh, I guess 50 years earlier in the jungle, right? And uh, and bring that back with them. Uh, Jonathan Majors also stars as David. That is uh, Paul, uh, Paul, Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, his his son, who uh, finds a way to sort of insert himself uh, into the proceedings. And uh, what what happens next is this uh, sort of adventure into the jungle uh, that is uh, kind of a. a mashup of uh, on the one hand spike lee's ever-present sort of political polemics about the black experience in america and how uh the, these black veterans got shortchanged in a lot of ways culturally um there's also a lot of looking back fondly on uh, on their their uh their friend who didn't make it back um and uh and what his death meant to them and um and then there's also a lot of as i said the sort of adventure into uh, into the jungle um so, um, okay. Did I, did I miss anything there in terms of just setting, setting up Matt? I don't think so. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is quite a journey into the jungle. If you take, it's by boat, it's by foot, it's by vehicle, you know, right. you know automobile. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a substantial trek that these men have to take to get where they were back in the war. Right. Um, and that's the journey we're along with them, you know, for this film. These men um, who are at least in their seventies, just doing yes. a little math, right? I mean, if yeah. they were eighteen in nineteen sixty, that doesn't leave or nineteen sixty eight, that doesn't leave us a lot of options in terms of of how old they can be in in two. Yeah, I, I looked it up, and you know, Delroy Lindo is sixty eight right now, so that'll yeah. give you an idea of you know the actor right. playing the part at least. Right. Um, you know, the thing that I took away from this movie that. Uh, um, before we get into the details or whatever is, you know, I, I think that the central point that, that he's, that has been trying to be, be made and it's made early in this film is that, you know, when they talk about how, um, you know, black men made up 11% of the population in uh, the general population of the United States back at this time. And mm -hmm. they made up about a third of the, uh, of the men who went over to war. So they had to bear an un, obviously an unfair amount of burden in terms of fighting this war. And it was, right. you know, that's, I think that's a stat that a lot of people probably couldn't regurgitate. You know, I think that's, mm -hmm. I think, I think in my heart, I knew that this was true, but to the, to the degree of which I guess I didn't know, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's, I a, that's, a, that's a pretty sobering number. 
I mean, it is. It, it's that's ugly. Yeah, you know, obviously, a lot of it has to do with you know. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of the people who, you know, the people who made up the other 66% were probably also uh, from lower income brackets, put it that way. You know, obviously it was easy to get sure, a deferment right. if you were in college or involved in something that that more wealthy people get to do. So right. the burden was placed on the Afri- African-American pop- part of the population and the lower income part of the white population. So, right. yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a great point and I've not heard it pointed out that many times. So I just wanted to. Okay, well, that's the central message of the movie. I, I, yeah, I get that. So, uh, I'll I'll keep it going. Um, this movie looks really, really great. Um, I agree. It's uh, it's sort of epic and uh, has a uh, has a uh, it it has an epic scale and uh, in a way that that I haven't seen uh, Spike Lee do before. Um, he made a movie called Miracle at St. Anna's uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, that apparently was also a war epic. I didn't see that movie. That movie didn't get a lot of uh, me neither. Me a lot neither. Of, uh, uh, good reviews. Uh, but this is really uh, b- going big in terms of the visual look of the movie uh, that I've uh, I've never seen Spike Lee do before. And, uh, and yeah, filming things with nice big wide movie, shots. And whatnot. Yeah, I mean the the, uh, the movie looks great. Um, uh, so. Uh, um. There's that. Um, what else do we want to say about this, Matt? <laughs> um, something that I, I I liked about the movie, maybe at first, and then I'm not so sure I did as it went on. Um, there's at least four, maybe five different aspect ratios used during this film. Yeah, yeah. That morph into each other. And uh, I liked that... Um, you know when they when this this movie flashes back to the time when they were actually in Vietnam um, to begin with, mm-hmm. um, and I like how those those scenes are shot in an aspect ratio that's more um, fits in with more of the news clips that they showed. You know, uh-huh. a four yeah. by three television style um, aspect ratio, mm-hmm. and then when he goes back to present day, it morphed into. 16 by nine at times or, or whatever the theatrical version of that it is. I know it's not exactly the same or mm-hmm. 2.35 to one aspect ratio um, at yeah. other times. Um, and then there's also when the, uh, one of the characters is filming in super eight, uh, you see the super eight aspect ratio as well with it, with the artifact on the side from, you know, the, uh, the sound bar or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but as it went on, I thought, wow, that's a lot going on visually. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a couple transitions I thought, okay, that, that's, I like that. I like that because it, it, I mean, not only is it super obvious when they switch times, but I just like the little transition there. I don't think it's a, it's not a knock against the film in terms of this. I, I just. Yeah, you can, de- you can definitely feel it getting a little, uh, it, um, him doing a little too much with it after a while. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit too much, uh, <clears throat> You know, you know, the, I think the shots when he's when like they're in the boat traveling up the river to get to get to where they're going, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's in a really wide format. And mm-hmm. then once the movie settles into its second half, a lot of what the uh, modern day stuff is filmed in it, it took up my entire screen. So yeah, um, whatever that is, one point six five to yeah, one so, or something like that. Uh, yeah, so Oliver Stone didn't direct this movie, as it turns out, but I guess we get some of his same tricks, right? You know. Very yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't, tone, didn't think about uh, way of going about things, having a lot of uh, changing aspect ratios a lot. So, I mean, I think next, uh, you know, I mean, we talked a little bit about this coming into this, and I saw, I think next we're going to get into answering the question whether or not, you know, two white dudes from the Midwest can really go after Spike Lee's movie without coming <laughs> off like we're totally out of touch. Um, I did I mean, not like this movie. <laughs> Um, I did I not like this movie either. Um, so, you know, something happened about five years ago. Uh, five years ago, uh, Spike Lee put out a movie called Chirac. Uh, since then, he's directed Black Klansman. Now he has The Five Bloods. And s- somehow with Chirac, he became something of a critical darling. Um, Chirac is not a perfect film. Neither was Black Klansman. Neither is The F- Five Bloods. Uh, and yet you wouldn't know that if you read, uh, you know, the uh, first five or ten 
uh, critical reviews at Metacritic for these movies. Uh, people really, really, people who are paid to write about movies for a living really, really have found reasons to love these movies. Um, yes, glowingly glowing reviews. Yes. I've, I've I've seen a few. Of them. No, I mean, I mean, it's easy for some, you know, some people might ask, well, you know, is that political correctness? Is that is 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 uh, you know, Spike? You can't criticize Black Lee or Spike Lee because he's black. Well, no, I mean, he's he, you know, going back further than that. I mean, Spike Lee has put out you know a movie every couple of years for the last thirty-five years, um, and and more movies than those than not have been not been critical favorites. Um, going back just before uh, Chirac, um, he was he, he critical responses would really come and go. I mean, uh, you know, as I said, uh, Miracle at Saint Anna's from about ten years ago um, really caught a drubbing. That movie was a huge disaster, uh, critically and financially, and and it, it really all threatened to uh, uh, to high, uh, sort of sideline his career, um, or really sideline whether or not he was ever going to get a shot to do a major movie. Um, now, uh, I don't know, um, maybe there are some critics who are, uh, trying to sort of make sure that, that Spike Lee is never put in that position again. Um, and, and, uh, and so make it, you know, uh, trying to kind of, you know, pat him on the back and help him along with getting, uh, uh, keep it continuing to make big, big budget movies. I don't know. I don't know what explains it, but this is not good work. Um, this I is don't not, know. I, not I, a well-written movie. It's it's uh, um it's it's chaotic. It's it's uh um it has all of of Spike Lee's worst habits out there on display. His weird mix of sentimentality with with his this really really dark uh, uh political cynicism that he has. Um uh the dialogue is dreadful. The dialogue is is really really uh terrible. Um at, at times it, it, it is. I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. You know, some a lot of the reviews that I, I did, you know, because I, I just kind of wanted to dissect my own feelings on this before we okay. got down to reviewing it. Okay. Well. And, uh, you know, um, people raving about Delroy Lindo's performance. Um, I thought it was over the top at times. Um, I, 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 I mean, I, it, it's, it's going to, you're not going to get away with... <laughs> Um, with a lot of restraint, um, it, it, with this material or with Spike Lee. I mean, obviously, um, I think Delroy Lindo can give you whatever you're going for, right? If if right you're, if you're going for, um, you know, a, you know, restraint a restrained eight, right? Then he can give you a restrained eight. But um, but obviously, at times in this movie, anyway, um, he's uh, he's cranking it up to eleven. Right. Yeah, and he, I mean, I'm, I'm no doubt he's giving what he's yeah. he's giving what he's been asked to give. Yeah, no problem with that either. It just, um, and you know, he is playing somebody who, you know, is a little bit unbalanced. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But I did find it to be a little much. Um, but that's you know. Everything. Yeah, Del Rilando's character Paul is the one who, uh, uh, for people who haven't seen this movie, um, uh, it's his character is uh kind of the uh the driving force of the movie um his character is um uh a now apparently politically conservative uh very uh you know in a very, in a very dark place emotionally uh obviously suffering from the effects of PTSD um and yeah, obviously uh, the one in the group has been most affected yeah, by he's, his experiences yeah, that's exactly right he's the one who's been uh, mo- most most affected right um and he has um it's clear from the start that he has some kind of special relationship with their their lost friend uh, uh, Storm and Norton, right? Um, that there's some sort of complication there that, uh, that kind of remains to you know remains to be worked out, and that he is tortured over the death of, of Norman for reasons that the others aren't, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought that uh, you know I thought that Delroy Lindo was the saving grace of this movie. I thought that he was the only thing about he was the only character that felt like felt like he had any sort of reality outside of the four, uh, four corners of the screen to me. Um, I mean, maybe that's in part, that's, it has something to do with the combination of the writing and the acting. Uh, but I, 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 his performance for me really, as I said, really drove the movie. Um, 
and and drove it well. Now there are times, especially in the later half of the movie, um, as the movie gets on, that he yeah he goes bananas. But um, who do you who do you blame at that point? Um, I do you blame him know. or the guy yelling cut? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I mean I, I I think that's that's as I said I think uh, you have an actor like Dale Ray Lindo and uh, you know when he's clearly giving. Um, a certain kind of performance at, ver- at uh, a certain kind of restraint in some parts of this movie and then going bananas and later parts <laughs> in some ways I found his performance and his character while it is it, it, by design his character is very inconsistent yeah but he is the most consistent character in the movie he, he, he while he might have swings of his behavior and what he does and what he seems to be thinking at the moment Mm-hmm. It's kind of a consistent inconsistency from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Whereas some of the other characters seem to change their tone and their uh, point of view depending on the situation they're in, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's no, I think that's exactly right. I think you're you're. Uh, I think he has a character uh, that feels kind of established and fleshed out, whereas the other characters sort of say. I mean, they're kind of a little bit inter- interchangeable. Right? You could just sort of take a line away from one and put it in the mouth of the other. And they're really, they really seem to be just trying to get Delroy Lindo's character um, to into, you know, up the river into the jungle so that, so that he can have his, his kind of big moment of, of, of breakdown. Right. Um, now, after that, you know, after this big, after the big moment where he kind of, he goes a little nuts, um, I guess from there it's, reasonable to expect that the performance goes a little nuts. Um, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. There are times when uh, times when it works better than others, um, but at least there are times when it works. Um, I really, God, the rest of the movie, I really felt for, for all of these actors, you know, Clark Peters and Isaiah Whitlock. These are good actors. Um, uh, and they're again, put in these positions of, of, uh, of just having having characters that it seems sort of inter- their lines just seem sort of interchangeable. They just all seem it all seems very perfunctory. Yeah, they seem to they seem to change their overall point of view depending on the the makeup of the scene sometimes mm-hmm. and and um, yeah, a, a lot of my problems with this are just really so hard to delve into without a spoiler territory. I, a lot of my problems with this film are basically in the makeup of it. I feel like it was just sh- pretty shoddily made in a lot of ways beyond the visuals, which I think were the, like we said, the movie looks great. Um, I've got some plot issues that bothered me and some, um, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler that yeah. uh, I don't need something to take me out of the movie from the very beginning. Yeah, and what took me out of the movie from the very beginning is we have the same actors playing these same characters fifty yeah. years ago, and I just didn't buy it. There's really no effort to de-age them. No, right? no, there there isn't. There's no effort to de-age them. They did. They don't recast them for and with younger guys playing them as this. You know, they some uh, they of these have men these guys in their late sixties uh, playing uh, teenagers. Yeah, as um, they run from cover to cover, they've got these, you know, they've got middle-aged to late, you know, old man bodies, and at times you can tell. It's just, yeah. I just, well, I, I've never seen that attempted before, I, and I kept waiting for them to be some kind of twist or some idea behind it. I'm, yeah. I kept waiting for, like, a reveal as to why they chose to do it that way, you know, whether it would be, you know, the idea that even recollecting as an adult you always feel you know you, you kind of see yourself as an adult back in those situations i was hoping it would kind of yeah. make that idea clear but it never did yeah i mean i guess well, once i had kind of settled into the okay well that's the sort of choice that he's making for this movie i i assumed that there was some <clears throat> kind of unspoken angle on it like that and i just i, I just kind of rolled with it i mean i didn't um uh, and then, I mean, it does, it does make it, it, it does add to, it does lend to a kind of chintziness. Um, and then, and then at the end of the film, <laughs> this is yeah. kind of a spoiler too. I, I, yeah. we're going to go, we're going to do spoilers here in a minute and tell anybody who doesn't want to listen to spoilers to fast forward to the second segment. 
Uh, but I guess we'll not. If you, uh, before we do that, we'll just, you know see if you have any other thoughts. I think yeah. most of my thoughts have to come after that. I don't. I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. anything for anybody. Oh, you're throwing to me now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just. Uh, I, I, um. I, what do I, What else do I want to say about this? Um. I. I, I guess I've. I've said all, all I need to say about it. Um, I, I mean, I, I think one, one, so one more thing, uh, the, the, one of the things I find sort of really missing from the, as a driving force behind this movie is any, I mean, there's no, not really a character that I, I really cared about or I really see, want to see succeed. Um, I think the, the, I think a, a structural flaw, we'll get into, to the actual mechanics of the plot, in the spoiler section, but the structural flaw with the plot from the beginning to me is the the competition between the two purposes that they have going into, to, for going on this adventure. On the one hand, you have this very very cynical mercenary uh, reason for going into the jungle to get the gold, and on the other hand, you have this very idealistic um, sentimental reason, and that is to bring your 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 buddy buddy's remains home, right? Um, and the movie doesn't seem to be aware of the ways in which those two uh, goals compete with each other, right? It seems to me if you're going to have a dual purpose like that, then eventually you, you have to put your characters in a position where they have to choose. What, you know, they have to choose, and maybe some of them go one way and some of them go another way, right? Instead, this movie seems to have just in its head not not a single thought about what you know the uh, uh, that there uh, th- there are these two uh, competing um, ideals at work here. Um, and uh, and it just it it really didn't work for me, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean the the idea of bringing the remains back in a lot of ways back gets back burnered to gold fever. Well, obviously, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, right. Um, which to me sort of saps the movie of any uh, of being anything but a but a really cynical uh, uh, adventure into the jungle. Um, and so that that lays at odds with anything else that Spike Lee is really trying to make this movie about. I mean, he also is trying to make this movie about again the black experience in America and and about uh, uh, trying to find a a, a, pl- a place in America and so on. And and I uh, no, it's about the gold. Um, yeah, and one more thing before we switch over the the tone of this film is not consistent either. I mean, that's. Uh, yeah, I kind I mean, of expected this to be a pretty deadly serious flick. Yeah. Um, and in the middle of some a lot of very serious scenes, there are some things that that happened that took me out of that. Um, yeah. But I, it seemed like it, it seemed like the movie didn't take itself as seriously as it wanted as as I thought it was going to at times, and um, it didn't know what it wanted to be exactly. I felt. Yeah, I mean the tone is really all over the place, and uh, and uh, that's hard. That's hard to do, especially in a big epic movie like this. Um, so I, I mean, you got to give Lee, I guess, a little bit of you know, grade him on a little bit of a curve there. Um, but it's his movie. I mean, nobody you know is forcing him to take all of those uh, those turns into you know from you know slapstick comedy one minute to uh, you know a really high melo- soaring melodrama the next minute. Um, and then, you know, then we're, uh, you know, we're in a, an action movie, you know, a really violent shootout, you know, I mean, when you're on the set of a film and the idea, oh, you know, what might be funny comes into your head, you've got to take a step back and realize that when, (laughs) when you do something like that in a movie, it's going to stay forever. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's some callbacks to dialogue from other films that, right. Yeah. Yeah. There are, uh, so Um, yeah, there are obviously there are a lot of movies that come to mind when you when you hear this plot. Um, movies like uh, Apocalypse Now and and uh, uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, right, and so on. And for every movie that you can name, um, uh, Spike Lee puts in a very self, some sort of very self conscious, you know, increasingly self conscious references to those movies, as though he's a little bit afraid that you're going to be thinking of those and you're not going to think he's being original. Right. And um, sometimes that comes off as uh, sometimes that comes off as a, a little bit humorous, like when they, they you know, they talk about the, um, the the vets talk about how much they hate the, uh, the uh, Rambo movies. And sometimes it just it, uh, it's it's like a, a fork in a, dis, in a garbage disposal um, as when 
one of the uh, one of the villains actually says, "We don't need no stinking badges," right? Um, spoilers, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. um, I guess let's let's make the turn to spoilers right here. Okay. Um, if you do not want to hear anything spoiled about Defy Bloods, uh, fast forward to our second segment, and I'll put the time for that that exact when that starts in the uh, episode description when we post it. It should be pretty easy to find, I hope. All right. Yes, we don't need <laughs> no stinking badges. <sighs> yeah, it, it's delivered in a weird fashion too. Is it like delivered the in, actor... the, in the cadence of the original line? Well, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the yeah. it, it just felt like the actor felt like <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this He's right now. Dead inside, I, it, right? <laughs> yeah, he just seemed like he. It just was. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And you, you know, of course, you brought up the the the, uh, the wire thing. Yeah, right. Um, At another moment, um, Isaiah Whitlock Jr.'s uh, character, who played a uh, a corrupt mayor on uh, uh, on the wire, right? His uh, in that character, his catchphrase was "shit," right? <laughs> Dragging that I, word I've out. Never seen, I never never saw all the wire, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he's in the later. I yeah, didn't he's, catch he's that. In the later seasons, right? So. Yeah, drag that word out several more syllables, and that was his catchphrase. Yeah, and so, of course, to me, it was a extremely weird delivery of the line "shit," you know, because right. I didn't know the con <laughs> right. the context. And then Isaiah Whitlock, at one point in this movie, his character is nothing like that other, uh, you know, kind of slick willy character in uh, in in The Wire. And so, yes, it is. Uh, it is a, a right. really, really okay. a, 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 a moment in very poor. Uh, aesthetic taste to have him just sort of say, it, it, it's, I mean, it's childish. Is what it's it a is. cheap joke. Yeah. It's, it's right. just a, it's a, it's the cheapest yeah. kind of gag. Yeah, it is. I, I, I thought so. Um, back to my, my issue with, with the uh, portrayal of the old men playing the young men. Yeah. And I think like, if like what you said, how you kind of fell into just accepting it, I think that's great for most people if they were able to do that. And I think, you know, I probably should be able to do it too. But then at the end, they show a picture of them back in Nam, mm-hmm. and they've been de-aged. Oh, had they been at the end? Yes. Yeah. I, re- I, remember, I, I remember being distracted by that moment where they have them all sort of lined up and they're kind of, the camera's kind of backing away from it. Right. Um, I remember being distracted. They show by the like fact a snapshot, like an old sna- older snapshot, and and uh, they've been okay. de-aged then, and okay. you know, like Orlando's character doesn't even have a beard at all. Okay. In the in the in the picture, and uh, yeah, I mean, so maybe I thought that's, to go that's... back. <laughs> I don't know. I just maybe that's more of an indication that you're digging in the right place when you say that that you know there's an effect uh, that this is meant to, uh, well, you know, whether it's successful or not, there's an effect this is meant to create. Um, the uh, you know it's the effect of that you know we're whatever you know when we look back on uh, on the past we're always the age that we are now you know um, yeah I mean I, to me I'm that's the opposite I I, I always want to you know look back and I'm I always want to be eighteen <laughs> or whatever yeah you know bef- before my ankle didn't hurt for no reason when I got up in the morning yeah well <laughs> you know? yeah I think we... um uh, I'm trying to think here. So that that was that that's the first thing that took me out of the movie, mm-hmm. and then, okay, <laughs> they've 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 boarded a boat. They've gone way out in the jungle. Yeah, and now they've boarded a you know a SUV and they've driven further in the jungle. Yes, and now they're walking further in the yes. jungle. This is a big place. It's fast. Yes, and how do they find the gold? The boy goes off to take a crap. And he hits a bar gold with his shovel. Right. <laughs> well, Are you right. fucking kidding me? <laughs> I remember thinking this, that was like, I remember thinking after, because it takes like an hour or more, maybe even to sort of get to that point. Right. And so it's, it, and it was in no hurry for that first hour. Right. And then all of a sudden <laughs> they just sort of, you know, just, whoop, just like that, they, he finds the gold. Right. And I remember thinking like, that was the shortest second act in history. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I had less of a problem with that than I did with the fact with their extraction plan, right? Um, I crunched some numbers here. 
uh, on they uh, they talk about seventeen million dollars worth of gold, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> that you that would come out to about one hundred and eighty pounds per person um, for these. Uh, you know, one of them is is in his prime. He's he's an eighteen year old, uh, but the other are again at least these characters anyway are at least in their seventies, right? And they're going to carry out you know upwards of two hundred pounds of gold through the jungle um, um they're gonna hike in and then hike back out with 200 pounds of gold strapped their back and right? they some of them have struggled a little bit going in with nothing in their backs or you know right yes they struggled <laughs> to get there in the first place right um so this is not a great plan um and so this just sort of underscores well why is this a plan at all right i mean if you got to this point in your life 50 years on from Vietnam, um, why would you at this point decide that now is the time to go back and, and dig up all that gold, right? Uh, these well, are they, not... there's, there's a there's a plot point they brought up about that. Oh, yeah, right? that, that's true, that's true, yeah. Because they talk about how it had been buried by mudslides and um, only recently had other floods or mudslides uncovered the... the uh, oh, that's right. The plane, the wrecked plane that the gold was in, again so that that's what made it possible all of a sudden yeah. is what they're you know it was what they're saying um, yeah I, I guess i don't understand why you set this movie aside from having one wanting to have one character in a in a maga hat um why do you bother setting this movie in 2020 i mean why not just set this movie in 1990 or something right or 1985 yeah. um and, and uh, you know um I guess because without gps without being at the gps some some point you're never going to find the gold oh i mean yeah. it, Unless you well, send out multiple poopers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> um, another, you know, in, in that same vein. Oh, okay. So they said the, on the way on this journey after the boat, they, uh, the boat stops and they spend the night in this village. And um, there's time in this village for them to go out and kind of hang out at a local bar. And in the bar, uh, there's a girl <laughs> and, uh, the young man who's in the group, you know, Del- Delroy Lindo's son, uh, strikes up a conversation with this girl and we learn that she's involved. She's in, in Vietnam to basically, she's one of an anti-landmine group. They're, uh-huh. they're there to clean up landmines and, um, you know, make sure it's safer for the locals. And it's a, you know, it's a charity outfit. Yeah. That, so they right. set that up. Right. And you know, obviously you know that at some point they're going to f- probably figure back into it because well, why? I gotta say, <laughs> I mean, with, with Spike Lee writing the script, you don't know that necessarily. Well, I mean... <laughs> but, but yeah, you figure... Generally, as a film things, viewer... All things being equal, um, you wouldn't introduce characters like that unless they're going to come back and... Uh, okay, so that being said... Uh, <laughs> as they try to get out of this, uh, as they're walking out of the jungle, uh, in the middle of an argument, all of a sudden a character, one of the, one of the, the mm-hmm. bloods, mm-hmm. uh, steps on a line landmine and is immediately basically blown to smithereens. Right. At which time the landmine group is automatically teleported there right next to them in this gigantic jungle that took days for them to, boat through and walk through and drive right. through. Well, I mean, maybe they, they were, uh, you know, they hear an explosion and maybe they run over there if they're close. This is a big place, Jason. <laughs> I've seen Apocalypse Now. This is a big place. <laughs> this is a big place. The jungle is a dense place. You know, when they left yeah. the, the village with, where the boats were, where they where they met the landmine people, they left in a vehicle. Yeah. They drove to an undisclosed location that's apparently secret and remote because this yeah. is where the gold is and it's never been found for 50 years. But yet when a landmine goes off, the landmine people can just smell it and they're just there, which I yeah. found, again, ridiculous. But, you know, and these are things that I'm not looking for if the ridiculous already hasn't happened. So I don't know. That's yeah, shoddy, well, shoddy I think, storytelling. I think me. stuff like that is the kind of stuff that we, if, if this were just a straightforward action movie, 
um, we just sort of nod our heads and kind of roll with it, right? I think. Yeah, I think you're or, right. Or, or, you know, you say, well, that's stupid, but it's stupid in the way that, you know, plot problems and Die Hard is stupid, are stupid, right? You, yeah, that, I mean, you we know, overlook that sort go, of thing every day. Right, you don't go over it with a microscope. Um, but on top of the finding, the, the way they found the gold, I mean, that's... That... Yeah. Well, I find that... It, it it does have a feeling at that point that, like, Spike Lee spent so long with the first section of the movie that he's kind of running out of film at this point. Right? And he's just sort of throwing out scenes. Yeah, right? well, just, but I mean, I'm he's willing just trying to accept that... Get to the... That this isn't... I'm starting to accept that the, the idea that the normal rules of the world that I live in don't apply to this world. And that's what I'm missing about this movie. This is a totally invented world that have has its own rules of whatever. Yeah. But then he wants to make a real world on point. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's 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 the problem I have with it. Yeah, I mean at times, especially in the beginning, it feels a little bit like uh, I'm dating myself here, but uh, uh, it felt at times like a pop up video from the early '90s where somebody would say <laughs> a bit of dialogue and then. Lee has to cut to a shot of that person, you know, like they mentioned, you know, Emmett Till or something, and they cut to a shot of Emmett Till, right? Um, you know, I may be I may be wrong, but I never once saw anybody pull out a second magazine and put a second magazine into a weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's again, uh, there there are some Rambo rules that you have to apply here. Um, I mean, the M16 only had a twenty round magazine. Do you know how fast that's empty? <laughs> fast. Oh come on, stop. <laughs> um, the, yeah, but I mean that's that's a movie that you know war movies though they don't try to get by with that anymore though you know what I mean oh. that's that's yeah I I don't know that I don't know that's gonna bother a lot of people but uh, uh, a dose of, you know realism couldn't have hurt um, I uh, yeah I I, I mean I. I, I had a problem with some, with some of those uh, with with some of the shootout scenes, not because of the amount of uh, ammo expended, but just the shootouts were, were not very they were not well staged. I mean, the, the actions, the, the kind of set piece action scenes in this, um, uh, they're just they're really just people standing around shooting at each other. There there there's kind of no sense of space. There's no real sense of menace. You can't do a lot with these actors, obviously. I mean, they're in their, you know, the actors are in their 60s, right? So you can't do a lot of really crazy, you know, people diving behind trees and stuff like that. Um, and I don't yeah, want to, I mean, you know, I don't want to see decent... Delroy Lindo put in that position. Um, but at the same time... <laughs> they do a decent you're... job of having people, you know, um, you know, stay in cover until there's a lull in the shooting. And then, I mean, they did a fair amount of that that I thought was yeah. okay. Um, but you know the the David character, which is Delroy Lindo's son. Yeah. Another thing that I have, you know, again, I'm at this point where I'm yeah, played by Jonathan, and, and, I'm, I, and I'm not a nitpicker. But yeah, I, right. I'm in this situation now because that's how I've. I can I, attest. I've, you are not a nitpicker. You don't normally. I have not been stuff. able to suspend disbelief in this film, and that's been a problem for me. Yeah. But you know, at this one point, David's character gets shot through the leg, mm-hmm. and Otis. Um, for the second time in the movie, who apparently was a medic in the war, says, oh, it's just a through and through. You're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And then a few minutes later, he he's, checks him for a fever and says he's got a fever. His wound must be infected. And I wrote down, his legs infected from the gun battle that happened 20 minutes ago? Question mark? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, unfortunately, I had no level of buy-in on this. And that's... Um, yeah. I'll, I'll take responsibility that a, a, a certain amount of it is on me. You know, but uh, I just didn't enjoy this picture. Yeah, I, 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 I go back again to to uh, I, I think that that Spike Lee just has different competing uh, uh, sort of sensibilities inside of him. One of them being really, really cynical, and the other one being really, really sentimental. And I think he just doesn't do uh, he, often. This movie is, in my opinion, a great example. It doesn't do a great job of, of making those two sensibilities play well together. Um, and uh, and that really, I mean, we, we you know, uh, my wife and I were joking about this last night. I mean, she's a notorious, uh, uh, notoriously sappy. I mean, she she wells up uh, like, you know, 
has a Pavlovian response to certain sort of, you know, major chords on, on, on movie scores. Right. So she's always tearing up at, at certain parts, you know, at, at the ends of movies, right. even if they're, they're dumb yeah. movies. And she complained, you know, watching this with me that, you know, we, uh, you know, at the, uh, there's a scene, a big scene at the end with, it's a reunion between a couple of characters after a long time that's, you know, strikes up the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, score and, you know, leans heavily into a close up of, of them crying in joy. And Beth is like, Hey, if you don't, you know, if you don't get me with a scene like that, um, your scene isn't working. Right. Yeah, um, that's, that that's scene a good point because, me. because I am, uh, it doesn't take much to get me either. I, I, yeah. Emotions that I feel in the movie, I feel through my entire body, and that—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm probably just like her in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing for me in that scene. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I think you know the scene. The, this movie ends with well, I mean, it ends with a gratuitous reference to uh, JFK's assassination or to uh, MLK's assassination, right? For, right. For reasons that escape me, right? But uh, the uh, uh, one of the final scenes, though, is is a scene of uh, of the the five uh, vets kind of standing uh, for a picture in the jungle, and um, it, it's you're aware right away that that they're kind of like uh, cardboard cutouts. You know, there's something about the the difference between the background and the foreground that isn't quite right, and then you realize, oh, well, hey, that's that's these are cardboard cutouts, right? Um, and often, you know, that kind of pop-up book uh, sentiment um, is something that happens a lot to me in this movie and in Spike Lee movies generally, where he he's playing to, he's indicating that he, there's all this this deep meaning and this deep well of feeling behind the movie, but it's really, uh, to to me, it's really a, an inch deep. Um, that 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 he has he has an agenda. You know, Spike Lee has an agenda. Um, he has certain things that he wants to say, and everything else in the movie is really in service to the the, the bullet points that he wants to make about this issue. Um, so you know, and I, you know, the, the some of the original footage, especially at the beginning of the movie, is you know some of the some footage that we see a lot in, in being familiar with history, but uh, um, it is some powerful imagery. Um, yeah, I just don't. I don't. I just don't want anybody to say that. Oh, you, it's it's because we're white white dudes that we didn't like. This <laughs> I mean, no, I, no, you I, know, I, I yes, you know when I when I see uh, MLK at the end of this, I was you know I think to myself, I hey look, I I you know I, I I'm about as liberal as somebody can get. I, I took my you know we went to Memphis. I took my son to the Lorraine Motel because I wanted to be able to tell him what happened there and yeah, you know, what you know, how, you know I'm so. I don't think it's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've taken a deep dive into myself. I'm like, do I have some, is there something wrong with me that I don't agree with all these other reviewers? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I, I, Spike Lee, with Spike Lee, it's not a matter of talents. It's a matter of taste. Um, he has an enormous amount of talent. Um, it's just, he has a, uh, um, he has this weird sensibility. Um, and now he has a, whole industry of professional critics patting him on the back seemingly no matter how no matter what he does um so uh because i i mean i I think this i think this movie is pretty obviously um at its heart a really cynical film um that it's it's not terribly interested in his characters it's not terribly interested in in any of of the story um it has again some political bullet points to uh to hit and um everything else is just sort of window dressing for that um and uh you know i'll I'll say i'll say the you know i'll say the most middle brow white bread thing you can say about about spike lee and that's well you know i love (laughs) do the right thing right (laughs) (laughs) um but i think that uh not just do the right thing but a lot of his a lot of a few of the movies of the 90s um uh like malcolm x as well um you know, uh, portended or, or you know, pre- represent a time when maybe uh, Spike Lee was was going to kind of uh, settle down a little bit, um, and uh, I yeah, settle, you know, anything. settle down and play nice. And I guess, in a sense, he hasn't. Uh, well, he definitely hasn't. And in a sense, uh, if you're a certain kind of critic, maybe you really admire that. Um, 
Could be. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm, uh, I, I don't admire uh, that kind of messiness and recalcitrance uh, just for the sake of being messy and recalcitrant. Well, I think my major, what turned the tide for me against this film is, you know, you do start out with a lot of this imagery that's from real history, mm-hmm. actual footage, you know, and I don't think the rest of the movie holds up to that footage. I mean, it's, it's, that sets a tone and then the tone's completely, you know, I expect this sort of a, you know, a documentary style you know, look back. Yeah, at, yeah. I mean, establishes story, you know establishes a kind of realism um, that the rest of the movie doesn't play out. Right. Um, so, and and it establishes right. um, it, it. It has a sense of, of taking itself seriously in a way that the sense the rest of the movie doesn't doesn't play out. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to kick a horse that's already down. So I guess we should yeah. probably move on. Right. <laughs> Unless you have anything else to say, I guess we're probably done on defining. I think I'm done. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. All right, we're back on Cinema Spin. Our next film, chosen at random by the movie Randomizer, of course. The all-powerful was movie Randomizer. 1993's Shadowlands, starring Anthony Hopkins as C.S. Lewis famed writer c.s lewis and deborah winger as uh ooh, what was her character's name do you have that uh joy uh joy davidman who was an american uh, poet of some note mm-hmm. and it's basically about their uh, uh unusual love affair how they came to meet each other um uh, the kind of person maybe that lewis was in terms of being an academic and uh how this relationship changed uh, how C.S. Lewis looked at life, perhaps, and um, and uh, as well as that, you know, changed. I don't know, just his overall perspective. I think both characters actually, yeah, probably changed their overall perspective a lot. What did you think of 1993's <laughs> Shadowlands? Uh, I, I I liked it okay. Uh... Um, I, uh, I, 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 had a, I, had a, I had an interest in this movie, uh, in particular because of, uh, because of C.S. Lewis, who a lot of people have probably heard of because uh, he was the most famously the writers of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, some people don't know that he also in his, uh, in his position as uh, an English professor at Oxford um, in the 1950s, he was also uh, very well known in the uh, the 40s and the 50s as a, a Christian, a, a, a philosopher on, on Christian theology and, and writing, right? Um, uh, uh, particularly on the question of the problem of evil, right? The question of, you know, God exists, why is there so much suffering? And, um, <clears throat> and this is something that I have a, a, a personal and professional curiosity about. And so I was, uh, I really, you know, I was, I was looking for, you know, I'm a target audience for, uh, for a lot of what this, uh, what this movie is doing. Well, you didn't know how much of that, that you were going to get, but, uh, yeah, I figured I you got you some, know, when I saw that Richard Attenborough, Sir Richard Attenborough was, uh, was directing, I figured I would get at least some, uh, sort of stuffy, uh, academic, uh, posturing, <laughs> right. Uh, sermonizing and, uh, and you get some of that, um, and actually, to me, I mean, maybe this is just sort of uh, uh, peculiar to me, but uh, some of the best, uh, the most interesting stuff in the movie to me, um, some of it was uh, was in uh, Anthony Hopkins as C.S. Lewis in, in the lectures that he's giving, right, about the nature and and in the performance he's giving through through those lectures. Um, Lewis during this time uh, is a uh, again an outspoken Christian, um, and. Um, and he's writing a lot about this question of the problem of evil and, and writing about, well, why God, you know, might allow suffering. And one of the, the answers that comes up a lot to why God might allow suffering is that to one degree or another, um, suffering makes possible some joys that wouldn't be possible otherwise, or somehow enhances uh, the, the joy, the, the, the good that, the, uh, that it, there is in the world, right? Um and it's clear uh, Hopkins makes it through clear early on through his performance that to one degree or another, uh, Lewis in the early parts of this movie is kind of mouthing um, 
kind of going through the motions in some of these lectures, right? And um, and in fact, the, the the movie is is the the story is going to test his faith, um, and sort of ask the question of well, what 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 does he what does C.S. Lewis at this point in his life really know about suffering? Um, so uh, I uh, I loved Hopkins' performance. I think the main reason to to revisit this movie um, that I that I think is this you know not exactly falling off the lips of people. I mean, this is not exactly a classic, uh, you know, 30 or 25 years on. Um, I think the main reason to revisit this movie would be, would be for Hopkins performance. I mean, this is really, uh, uh, anybody who's a fan of Anthony Hopkins, um, this is really essential viewing. Um, I'm, I was much less impressed and much enamored of Deborah Winger's, um, performance, maybe casting. I don't know. There's something about that, her and that role, that um, that I really didn't bond with, and that was um, I think uh, that was a real problem uh, for me, really getting on board with this movie. Um, and that's uh, and by the way, her performance was Oscar nominated. It was very uh, very well. It went over very well uh, generally. So I'm all alone in that maybe, uh, but uh, but for me, it was a little. Her performance was cold to the touch in a way that I th- didn't think was appropriate. Um, what do you think? I felt that way at first, but it grew on me a little bit over time. Um, yeah, right. I feel, I feel I definitely the, later in the movie. Yeah. I, when she, she first better. appeared and, you know, she first spoke, which, you know, I wasn't expecting, but uh, uh, I, I told Sarah, I said, oh, she's gone full Rosie O'Donnell with the accent. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like it kind of came and went a little bit for a while there um, yeah. in the film. And, uh but I think the performance got stronger as the film went on for me, at least maybe I oversaw some of the, um, flaws of it. Well, the character comes off a little awkward at first too. Um, just her way of, you know, her reason for being in the room with, with CS Lewis to begin with, uh, having written kind of rather, uh, strange letters to him were probably would be considered strange at the time. I mean, yeah. that's probably what he was intrigued by if, you know, yeah, at least the way they're playing it here. Um, so I, I found her character a little awkward and then grew to kind of appreciate it as time went on. Um, I don't know if I see it as being Oscar worthy. I mean, I thought Anthony Hopkins was fantastic. Yeah. Some great close up scenes where he, he's asked to, you know, really yeah. do grief up close and he just, you know, knocks it out. Of the yeah. Park, yeah. Which, yeah. That, that crap may be, yeah. that may be easy for him. I don't know, but, uh, I found it very effective. And, uh, um, I, I like this movie more than I thought I was going to. I, I thought, uh, oh man, this is going to be a real slog, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, there was something quaint about the way CS Lewis lived in the cottage with, uh, it, it was his brother, right? That's his yeah, brother. That's his brother. Yeah. Um, you know, I just thought, you know, the way they went to bed together and went to their separate little doors that were side by side with their water bottles. Yeah. I don't know. I just <laughs> found it kind of, found it kind of, uh, quirky and interesting. Um, and then as he, as the relationship grows between Deborah Winger's character and Anthony Hopkins character, I, I grew to, to like it. I, I wouldn't say I love this movie, but I did, uh, I did enjoy the movie. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a rip roar of a film. Um, you know, I, although I will say that uh, it, it says in the, I did not know this before watching it, but it says that it's based on a play, which, yeah, they, um, which was based on a TV movie, a BBC movie, which I would have never in a million years set, uh, thought that with this. Yeah. I, that, did, that actually did, didn't, that actually didn't surprise me. Um, Cause it does, it does seem a little, I mean, it seems I, like I a little, little, it surprised it me. a little stagey at times. It feels like it was, see, I didn't, I didn't get that oh, okay. in this movie. Um, maybe it was cause of the, the fairly wide variety of sets. Um, yeah. Um, I never felt like this was a contained performance. I mean, even in films, there's performances that you could say are a little stagey sometimes, even yeah, if okay. they aren't based. So, um, but, but I never felt that. Um, let's see. I like my notes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know where the story was going to go. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that that character uh, ended up 
well, we uh, we're, not, we're not doing we're not worried about spoilers for thirty. No, we're not worried. Yeah, for for, okay. for the, right. <laughs> I didn't know Deborah Winger's character was going to end up getting ill and pass away before yeah. the movie. Okay, so yeah, took that all in stride. Although the, you know there was a couple times when she like had appeared to stumble or limp, and <laughs> right, my wife and I looked at each other and we went, "Uh oh." You know what that portends, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, Nobody in the movie just coughs for no reason, right? <laughs> and then when when finally, you know, um, <laughs> the character has her, you know, bout with uh, with with where we find out it's really super serious. Yeah, you know, I go back to my. <laughs> I was telling I was because I was talking to my wife about how we I'd mentioned last week the Foley work with the lightning strike in, in Gorky Park. Well, we're back again with that cr- that crazy brake noise on her on her leg. It was, it was so loud. I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, that's a that's a femur, buddy. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad we uh, saw. I'm glad we let that cat out of the bag. Uh, I, I I I knew the gist of this movie, and if you know sort of anything about this movie, besides sort of who the actors are, if you know anything about the plot, I mean, the plot follows. See Lewis as he has a, a bit of a crisis of faith following the death of of, of Joy Dibbon, right, um, from cancer. Um, and at the heart of it, there's this really fascinating uh, relationship that I, I guess I really wished I could have seen a little more of the details of. There's this really fascinating relationship between C.S. Lewis, who's a lifelong bachelor and who is portrayed in this movie as being entirely asexual, if not a closeted gay uh, homosexual, right? Um, yeah, I can I can see where, where what you mean there. Um, and and you know it's not for, it's not for nothing that if if C.S. Lewis the person were a gay man he would have had to have hid it hit it um, hit, hit it in, you know circa 1960 in in uh, in England it was still criminal you know there was still a criminal offense um, in the, the land of uh, of Oscar Wilde um, so. Uh, so uh, yeah, so so um, I I knew the gist. I knew that she was uh, that she she was going to die. Um, but uh, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, is there some insight into whether his character was? Oh, that, that's I'm, I'm, yeah. I sort of uh, sort of lost that for a second. Um, yes. Uh, I th- it's it's weird because this movie at times is so it's so buttoned up and repressed that it's it's like almost moving backwards right um attenborough clearly is making a movie in the the very staid stiff upper lip sense of 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 drama where we're gonna bottle it all up and bottle it all up until finally it lets go right (laughs) right and and i think that so you know that that project is gonna rise or fall i think based on a couple of factors um First of all, being whether or not we really sort of uh, buy into um, Lewis's relationship with Davidman, right? Um, whether or not we really think that this, you know, cloistered, buttoned-up guy uh, could could have his life kind of turned upside down by this woman, um, and that's where I, that's where some combination again of of, of Deborah Winger and the the character is written uh, didn't sort of click for me. Um, she also comes off as kind of stiff and light uh, and awkward in the way that everybody, you know, all the other, that the, the other, all the other people in the movie do where there would have been a chance to sort of show her off as kind of this, um, you know, poorly mannered brash Yankee kind of coming in and kind of, you know, sweeping him off his feet a little bit. Um, but those kinds of emotions, I guess, are a little too broad for what Attenborough was up to here. Um, so I didn't really buy into that. I mean, in the second way that this movie is going to succeed, and this is this is done really well, is you know eventually when um, when there is the breakdown, when there is the kind of reckoning, how will that works? And this movie, uh, the thing that I'm going to remember about this movie, um, in, in as later on is is the scene at the end between Hopkins and uh, David and son, um, uh, played by jo- Joseph Mazzello from uh, later yeah. on uh, of Jurassic Park fame. I guess right around same, the same time, yeah. Same year, I think. Uh, yeah. Douglas Rushman, right? Uh, there's just an absolutely wonderful scene of the two of them bereaved, uh, sort of mourning her at the end, uh, where uh, Hopkins uh, has a just uh, an, uh, an unbelievably moving breakdown. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that that that's the scene. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, so yeah. Um, 
it's a little too. I, I mean, the emotions here are a little more uh, bottled up than I than I would have uh, uh, preferred. Um, and there's a, there's a, <laughs> a, there's a restraint here um, that I think goes overboard. The more you learn about British culture, though, I mean, it's yeah. pretty pretty well buttoned up over there, <laughs> right? Even right. today, sure. Um, you know, I, British portrayals of free willing romance are probably few and far between. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, a couple things in my notes here you know, that me and my wife brought up. Deborah Winger's got uh, kind of a dubious um, record as far as surviving films. I was going to say, I almost blurted out earlier, I wasn't sure if we were giving away the ending or not, but uh, I almost blurted out, well, nobody dies of cancer like uh, like Deborah Winger. Because <laughs> <laughs> she certainly is better in those uh, in those later scenes. Um <laughs> So yeah. Oh, we got this part. We had <laughs> she's character's the, not going to survive the she's movie. Like Sean Bean, winger. Right? <laughs> Bring in Winger. <laughs> I mean, this is the funny thing about the spoilers in these in these newer films. I, you know, I doubt people are going to rush out and see these. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 absolutely certain there is going to be a rush on uh, on on Shadowlands uh, this week. Yeah, I, everybody. Or there probably was last week because everybody wants to see the movie and then you know. Uh, hear what we say about it, you know. Well, absolutely. How did this get made? Style. I mean, we're as big as yeah. those guys, right? Good thing we didn't have to rent this at a at a facility because there's no chance it would have been available. <laughs> it had all been taken. Um, something that uh, creeps me out personally that was, you know, the <sighs> she's in that gigantic uh, X-ray machine from the '50s. Oh my God, the crudeness! Yeah, you, you come out with more of medical treatment for that. <laughs> I know that's what that's what, that's what uh, my my wife was joking about that. I said it was almost like the uh, she was getting the super serum, super uh, soldier serum that uh, Steve Rogers got <laughs> with the big dial, you know. And, yeah. You know, I said, just just the crudeness of yeah. and, you know. I'm somebody who kind of finds medical care now pretty crude. I, I feel like in the future. People are going to look at modern what we have in this day and think it was pretty. Oh well, we're crazy. always going to do that, right? And I yeah. Think, yeah, you know, we we but we think well, we're in the modern world. We've got computers in our pockets. Well, a hundred yeah. years from now, they're not going to look look at uh, some things that we do. Uh... Uh, specifically with regard to cancer treatment, I think that uh, people in in coming decades and centuries will certainly probably not draw much of a distinction between how it was treated now and. 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I, I, I don't disagree. So um, there's a character in this film that uh, I'll ask you. Um, mm-hmm. There's a character where it's a student of his at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shown in class and then is shown in class sleeping at another point later. And he kind of mm-hmm. gets admonished a little bit by uh, Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene when you see him, he's leaving school. Mm-hmm. And then we meet this character later on in the train, and he's gone on to become a, a teacher or whatever. Mm-hmm. What what what's the the do you feel like that character was necessary? Besides giving him the uh, quote that he can't stop saying at the end of the movie, uh, I <laughs> um I don't think I don't know if it's necessary. Um, I, I I liked it. I, I I like it in terms of showing, uh done well i think scenes like that and subplots like that uh, uh spell out the characters uh in ways that make them feel like they exist beyond uh just the just the movie right yeah i get that so I, I, I feel I, like I kind, of, I kind of like seeing uh you know lewis uh be a teacher um and struggle uh with with you know with a difficult student in a way that that kind of uh, comes back a little bit to uh uh to, kind of pays off a little bit later um yeah, I feel like it's been done better though before. I, I don't know. I, yeah. When he did come back, you know, once we've seen him, you know, we see him, suppose, you know, seemingly more clear-headed and and as a, as a professional at the end. Um, I, I agree. I know what you're saying, but uh-huh. it's there was a point in the movie when, like, the third time we'd say, you know, saw him, I, I like looked, you know, asked my wife. I said, "What the hell is he in here for?" But uh, you know, I guess you know. In the end, we find out why. I just, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed a little extraneous to me. Yeah, 
Yeah. I like very streamlined stuff, Jason. Very streamlined <laughs> stuff. Uh, speaking of side, when you started talking about side characters, I thought you were going to bring up uh, uh, the English actor playing uh, John Wood playing uh, Christopher Riley. It's a character uh, who is uh, another Oxford professor who is uh, uh, Lewis's close confidant and uh, and good friend. And that character is actually actually based on J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, oh, okay. So uh, who was in real life uh, very good friends and kind of uh, competitor, you know, sort of uh, artistic competitors. Yeah, I, I thought um, some so, of his uh, colleagues at the school kind of came off like a holes. Um, yeah, and being I mean, kind of out of touch with <laughs> real people, you know. They're English academics. I think they're yeah, they're pretty pretending. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't find perfection. it to be unbelievable. I just yeah, I just thought about you know this is where the, this is this guy's support system in this and you know in the, right now. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end of our look at Shadowlands. Um, that movie just kind of is what it is. Enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, glad I watched it again with the with the randomness. Another movie that I would probably not have touched with a forty foot pole right. as far as get, watching it on my own. So if I guess that's what we asked for. Randomizer. Right. <laughs> that's what we asked for when we devised this system. That's right. We pray to the randomizer right, it, and the randomizer. Shall we? Shall we see what the randomizer has in store for us next? I guess we shall. I'm a little nervous. Uh, you should be. <laughs> you will. Be. Okay, oh, give it a spin. Give, give this a spin. Oh, man. Oh, you're it? not going to believe this. What is it? Going back to 1982. 1982 early january 1982 and the film is <laughs> vice squad vice squad what <laughs> vice squad we surely have you've heard of vice squad i, I have never it heard of vice squad it seems to be a low budget <laughs> extremely <on>. low budget um <laughs> please proceed no that's not right <laughs> Um, some sort of crime thriller business. Okay. Um, Wings Hauser, I am told. A low rent. Uh, uh-huh. Well, what's the movie I'm thinking of? Uh, <laughs> ah, forget it. Forget it. Um, okay. I was thinking of like uh, what? What's the movie with? Uh... Oh, forget it. I'm, I'm not going to come over there. <laughs> Okay. I, I, let's just see here for 20 minutes while I try to remember right. the name let's of the movie just, is. <laughs> that's great. <reading>. So, <laughs> that's uh, good. That's good listening right there. That's good podcasting. But, uh, right. <clears throat> okay. Well, so for next week, Vice Squad. So if you're playing, yeah, if you want to get out and if you want to pre-watch Vice Squad, it is available on Amazon. I can see here. Well, that's one good. of the preconditions of, of, of our uh, little deal here. So, um, well, being available somewhere anyway. It might be fun. I mean, okay. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, fantastic but it's it should, might be fun to watch uh, it will it is random so that's all that matters. that's true all okay. right well thanks for joining us again uh let's let's uh let's just say that we can be reached at uh, uh cinema spin 2020 at uh, gmail.com or we you can leave a voice message for us which we can play on the air if you if you want to do that or a question at anchor.fm we can also be reached uh, via twitter or Facebook. Yep. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Okay. See you later guys.